0: You know, we had a lot of, well, I had a lot of difficulties to, this morning, and then on top of that, you know, publicly I want to apologize to Joe, because um, I said something, that, you know when you say stuff you don't mean it to come out the way it does, but it does come out the way you didn't want it to, and so I publicly apologize to Joe here, um, love you boss, you know, when you kind of make yourself look like an idiot, that was me, that was me today, and um, I saw a lot back here at the back corner of mine, I was like, what, where was that? Anyways. Sorry, I'm a little I'm a little distracted. But good morning again. Good morning to everybody that will listen to this online or see this online at a later date. And we we started this series that we a few weeks ago that we called Christmas Remix. And what we said were, was we're t- kind of putting a new beat on some old beliefs or old ways of thinking. And kind of like, you know, in music when they take the beat of a song and put some tension on it. Right? They put that tension like if you're if you're in here for the pre-service or the post-service, that little that little tension on the beat. While keeping the melody the same, the message is still the same, but maybe a new heartbeat well, to maybe what you've what you've always believed. And even though today we're not, not necessarily looking at like a phrase that we have the last um, the last two weeks, but today we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kind of maybe give us a new way of thinking, put a new beat on 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 what Christmas really is, what this Advent season really is. See. It's in in this thing, the thing about this season of Advent, about this Advent Christmas season, it reminds us that in reality, we are in a period of time of already, but not yet. We're in a period of time of already's, but not yet. You're like, Derek, that sounds really weird. We're in a time where we can look back and celebrate the coming of a Savior, the already. While waiting for the real Advent. Because I'm going to tell you all something. Christmas, as great as it is, is just a shadow. It's just a shadow of things to come. It's not really about celebrating the birth of Christ. Advent is about celebrating that his, of his faithfulness. That if he's done something in the past. If he is faithful in the past in, in, in sending a Savior. When he promises us that he will send him, send him again. And we can have faith in that. The reason we celebrate Advent, we celebrate Christmas, is because we know one day he's going to split the sky wide open. We're in a time when we can look back and celebrate the coming of the Savior into the world, the already, while waiting for the real Advent of Christmas, the Christ. This season is about waiting for the promise. You know, like that promise, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself. Waiting for this promise, and here's here's the thing about 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 waiting is there's this author, his name's Lewis Schmeads. Sounds like somebody on uh, like a like Dr. Seuss or something, doesn't it? And he this is this is what he said about waiting. He said waiting is our destiny. Kind of crazy to think about, isn't it? Waiting is our destiny for 400 plus years. For 400 plus years. Jewish people waited for their Messiah to come in before the last prophet in Christ's return. He waited. How long did the children of Israel wait before entering the promised land? Forty years. Here we are, after Christ's coming and dying, waiting. Waiting is our destiny. As creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, have you ever tried? And fail miserably? As creatures who cannot, cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, we wait in the darkness for a flame we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending that we cannot write, and we wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. Waiting is the hardest work of hope. It's written by a guy named Lewis, Lewis Smeeds, and I think he's onto something because sometimes it's in that waiting that we lose a little bit of hope, don't we? We're praying we're praying that prayer and like I said last week we're begging the father, we're beggars, right? We're begging the father answer this prayer. We're waiting for that miracle. We're, we're, we are praying that this Christmas is the year that we all get along and there is true peace. Anybody like not looking forward to Christmas because of some a family member that's going to be there? And we're like, let this be the year that they don't show up or that we get along. You with me? Or maybe it's, you know, you fill in the blank. I'm waiting for this. You've been waiting for a long time. And it seems like our pleas are hitting a ceiling or that God doesn't even care. But here's the thing this morning. As, As we celebrate the birth of Christ, we have to understand that it's far greater than just a Savior coming into the world because it's just a shadow. The shadow of the day when Christ will return and make all things new. See, what you are really waiting for isn't for that family member to do the right thing. Isn't that miracle. That thing that you're, the longing that's inside of you, that you feel like, you know, it's, it's just a shadow of your longing, your, your body, your physical body, your spirit, longing for the day when Christ returned The true advent. The true gift. It's the shadow of the day when Christ will return and make all things new. It's a celebration that if the Father is faithful in his promises in the past to send a Savior to the world, we can trust in his faithfulness in the future. And with everything being said in this waiting season, as you wait, I think there's one thing that the Father wants you to know, and that I would want you to know, and it's that the heart of the Father is coming after you. This season shows us and reminds us that the heart of the Father is chasing after you. It's chasing after you in the midst of waiting for him to make all things new. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of the I don't know if you're hearing me gods, you you have to know that Christmas gives us confidence in his faithfulness to to fulfill his promises. Advent is a season of looking back at God's faithfulness, waiting for Christ's return, the true Advent. So we're going to do a little bit of reading today. Is that okay? Is it okay if I let the Word of God speak over you? Because I feel kind of foolish sometimes when I read across passages, and I'm like, "Man, that's just way too deep." But just, and I'm going to do some interjection here. But listen, it's a familiar passage. It's not often read around Christmas time, but it's so true. See, our our friend Paul would write to the church at Rome and really to us because we're several centuries past the Roman church. This is what he would write to us. In Romans 8, starting in 18, I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of the glory that is about to be unveiled within us. That's the not yet. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. That's the not yet for against its against its will, the universe itself has has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. that's us, but now we now with eager expect- what are you what is your expect are you Eagerly expecting for Christ to do something great in your life. But now, with with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. That's the not yet. That there's gonna be a day when your body will not ache anymore, cry anymore. The, you, that longing inside of you? No, you will be inside of that longing. There's going to be a day where you're going to be set free from the confounds that's you. Verse 22. To this day, we are aware of the universal, universal agony and groaning of creation. We're seeing it, don't we? We're seeing it. You can look all around. Like you Turn on the news, y'all. Agony and groaning of creation. As if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth, and it's not just creation, y'all. We who have already experienced the first fruits. What is the first fruits? It's the already, Christ coming, dying on dying on the cross, raising from the dead. That's the first fruits. We have already experienced the first fruits. That's the already of the Spirit also in, our, Fresh fruits of the spirit also inwardly grown as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters. One day we're going to stand before the Father, and we're going to be all that we were ever meant to be, including our physical bodies. Y'all, oh, I'm going to have that six pack. Ooh, it's going to look good. Oh, sorry, babe, you going to have to push all them other girl angels away including our physical bodies, being transformed. We're going to look so good. You're going to be, ooh, girl. We're going to be the hottest ones walking down the streets of gold, you know? For this is the hope of our salvation. What is the hope of our salvation? But hope, mean, hope means that we must trust and wait. Hold on a minute. See, in our instapot generation, in our microwavable success generation, that wait word is scary. We want it now. J.G. Wentworth. You know that old commercial? I want my money now. We must wait for what is still unseen, the not yet. For Why would we need hope for something we already have? If there's nothing to look forward to, then what's the meaning of this? That's why I often say, um, when say at funerals and things like, that, like this, if you're if you're a follower, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the worst life is ever going to get for you. This is the worst it's ever going to get for you because the best is yet to come. But if you're not a believer in here, then this is the best things are ever going to get, and it's pretty sucky, y'all. Why would we need hope for something we already have? So, because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. This is talking about the already but not yet. As believers of Christ, we've experienced the first fruits of Christ being born, dying of Christ being born, dying for our sins, and resurrecting, giving us the power over sin, death. And the grave and now we wait for a day that he will make all things new that's what this is talking about the already first fruits of christ being born heaven coming to earth and the day when he will make all things new we wait for the day that He will make all things new. We have this promise. the The Father's heart is coming after you. Revelation twenty one five says this, and one and the one sitting on the throne said, "Who's the one sitting on the throne?" Look, I am making everything new.
1: And then He said to me,
0: "Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true." Why is it trustworthy and true? Because if, if if I'm a man of my word and I'll send sent send Christ, Savior of the world, to Bethlehem, then you can trust me that one day I'm gonna come, split the skies wide open, and make everything new. The suffering that you that you're facing, we all be new. There there is hope that Christ, this is our hope that Christ will return and make all things new. Because here's the thing. I did this note late late Friday night when I was here. Because I think sometimes we, 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 we forget what hope really is. And here's an easy, easy definition of it. Hope is love stretching itself toward the future. Hope is love stretching itself toward the future. Like There's a future event that we can be hopeful for, and we can trust it because of the love that the Father has shown us. Let me show you. Verse 26 of Romans 8, it says this. And in similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weaknesses. When? To empower us when? In our weaknesses. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. You with me? Remember the son from last week who was going to just approach his father and say, let me just be your slave. And the father interrupted him and said, no, you're more valuable than that. Sometimes we don't know the right things to ask for, and we have a, I'm getting ahead of myself. But the Holy Spirit raises up within us to super intercede, super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotion, emotional sighs too, too deep for words. Like even the feeling that you're feeling, that longing that you're feeling that you can't even put words to, the Holy Spirit knows the exact thing to say to the heart of the Father. He's given us a connection to His heart. Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us power to face tomorrow. You've heard church people say that, right? And you're like, Derek, what does that even mean? Is something bad going to happen tomorrow? Well, Maybe. But the Holy Spirit gives us power to face tomorrow, to face the uncertainty. What that means is to face the uncertainties of this life. Because while you wait, you are going to have trouble. So whatever that trouble is, the Holy Spirit empowers us to face tomorrow. Have you ever had those people that all oh, hell could be breaking loose in their life and they have a smile on their face? You know, like, if that was happening to me, like I would rip a pillow or something, I don't know. But the Holy Spirit gives us power to face things that, of, the, of, of uncertainty. Some of us, we have uncertain days ahead of us. And, we, and we we're asking ourselves, I don't even know how I'm going to face that. And I'm here to tell you that how you're going to face that. It's because the heart of the Father is chasing after you. So much so to the, to the fact that he has given us something to empower us to face it. Because he knew we were going to face some hard things. We're going to face some hard things. And here's, the th- here's another thing. The Holy Spirit pleads to the heart of the Father on our behalf. When we don't know what to say, when we can't even speak, the Spirit is pleading on our behalf right now. The aching of your heart, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your Father going, you've got to help Him, Father. Even when, you know those times when you're like, like I I, I remember those times when like wondering, wondering, man, like I don't even know what to say here, God. And it was just almost like there was still comfort there. Because the Holy Spirit was speaking on my behalf to the Father and and the Father was going, I love you, here's my heart. Reminding me of His faithfulness in the past. heart of the Father is chasing after you. Verse 27 says, God, the searcher of the heart. Ooh, that's a little scary, y'all. You know, he'll, you'll, you're known by the desires of your heart. You know what I'm saying? And then God, our Father, the searcher of, of the heart, knows fully our longings. He knows exactly what you're waiting for and why you're waiting for it. Yet he also understands the desires of of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing I want you to just kind of pull out of this real quick is, is well, I, better, I just better keep going. Yeah, he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads. Passionately. That means he's fighting for you. He passionately pleads before God for us, the Holy Ones. The what? He is holy. Like, I mean, you don't know how screwed up I am then, God. Do you really know me? You'll find out why here in a second. The Holy Ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Here's the thing the heart of the Father's after y'all. Let me tell you why. It's because the Father wants intimacy with you. He wants like he it's like it's like a like a husband to his bride. Like we went to a wedding yesterday, y'all, and it was so good. They had some good food, y'all. It was breakfast food. Eggs, bacon, sausage. Biscuits, gravy. Hello. Had me at bacon. Okay. It's like it's like a, bri- like a like a like a husband to his bride. Like he's going he's gonna search out what his wife wants. You can ask Brittany. I do great at it. <laughs> <laughs> but the father wants like he's, he's search, like he's searching your heart because he wants to know your deepest desires and how to help you. Like, he's so in tune with you that you, don't even, you couldn't even imagine how well he knows you. Like he, wants in, like, he wants intimacy with you. He wants that moment with you. He wants that time with you. Like, he's the heart of the Father is after you. Romans 8, 28. As we wait, as we wait. So, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Bringing what? Good. Good. For we are his, ooh, lovers, who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us. Hold on a minute. That's a little scary again, right? For he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning. From the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. One day, when we're in glory, we're going to be just like Christ. We're going to be brothers and and sisters, we're gonna sit on the throne with our with our father. I go to prepare a place for you—a mansion. Too many people are like, i oh, just give me a shack in heaven." No, he's he's already built you a mansion, y'all. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him, having determined our destiny ahead of time. That's a little. Crazy to think about. He called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he he called. And those who possessed his his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So that so what does this mean? As we wait, what does this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand with us? Against us. Nothing can come between you. And the pursuit of the father's heart. Nothing can come between you. And the pursuit of the father's heart. No sin. No sickness. No trial. Nothing can come between you. And what the father has for you. You're unstoppable what if they kill me? Alright. To die is the, is the game. They get to be with Christ. To stay here is also good because now I can share with more people. Isn't that what? Isn't that what uh, old Paul said? No matter what, I'm unbeatable. I'm, it's, it's. Watch. For God has proven his love. How did he prove his love? The already, not the yet, but the already. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly, oh, I love this, won't withhold from us anything else he has has to give. That, That is like stupendous news. The fact that the Father isn't withholding blessings from you. He's not withholding anything from you. Like Everything is open. It's not that He's holding back, but are you open to receive it? Are you open to receive the blessing that God has for you? Because He's ready to pour it out on you while you wait. It may not look like you want it to. It may not be exactly what you thought it would be, but here's the thing. What you have in mind isn't what God has in store at all? What if what you have in mind isn't what God had in store, but something better? Well, I don't know why I'm in this season of life. Why has God given me this season? It doesn't seem very much like a blessing. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, I think, to know if you're ready to receive it, it's on how you approach the season that you're in, in the season of waiting. Because this is kind of a side note, and I put it in the notes, so this is free, kind of. You can pay may me, pay me if you want to, but... God, doesn't determine your, God does not determine your season, but your words and attitude will determine how you experience it. That has really not a whole lot to do with today, but I just felt like I needed to tell y'all. Your words and attitude will determine how you experience it, whatever it is. If you approach a situation negative, guess what? Negative. Let's keep going. Who then would dare to accuse those? Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them. Not guilty. Not guilty. He's not holding your past against you. The reason you're in this waiting season isn't is because you've done something wrong or that somebody else has done something wrong. No. He's not holding your past against you. He's still pursuing you. This kind of reminds me of, of, of Paul's other letter to the Corinthian church and to us where he says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them anymore. Like that's some huge, huge news. Like, he's not holding your past against you. I don't care what the other church told you. He's not holding it against you. In fact, he's wanting to free you from that. Keep going. Who then is left to condemn us? You know, remember uh, remember that woman who was brought before Jesus for committing adultery? And after all of them walked away because he said those without sin cast the first stone those who have never done anything wrong go ahead and cast the first stone and it's like no they drop it and then he says look around who's here to condemn you who then is left to condemn us certainly not Jesus the anointed one remember Jesus was standing there right before the woman for he gave his life for us And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen. That's the first fruit. Exalted and enthroned by God at his his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Jesus is praying for you. What? So I got the Holy Spirit praying for me and now Jesus is praying for me? As I wait... If that doesn't show that the heart of the Father is after you, man. So not only did he he come after your heart in the first advent, the shadow advent, sending Christ into the world as a little baby to grow up and die on the cross and raise from the dead to give us power over sin, death, and the grave. But He now he sends us the Holy Spirit to empower us. He's after your heart empower you to face the uncertainty of tomorrow. The Holy Spirit also prays for us. He pleads for us. He's begging God on our behalf. He's begging our Father, give him comfort. Wait. As he waits, give him comfort. And now the Savior, the one that came into the world to die for us, the one that sent us to comfort is also praying for us. Hold up. Hey, Jesus plus 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 nobody is the majority, y'all. You with me? Man, and he's praying for our success. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. Nothing can come between you. In the Father's heart. What about persecution? Nah. Deprivation? No. Dangers? No. And death threats? No. For they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. To the omnipotent love. Even though it is written, all day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are we are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and he, and and, he, and his dem, he's demonstrated love is is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love.